Um, ah, I've never had that kind of thing told on me before I preach, so no, it's, uh, it's all good. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 1. And I told you I was going to bring you a surprise message tonight, and the title of tonight's message is God's Surprises. God's Surprises. How many of you believe God surprises His kids? Do you believe that? Now, I'm going to begin at verse 18, and while you're turning, let me just say that next week I'm going to begin a series that has been on my heart for a long time now, really quite some time. And I've wondered when I was going to deliver this series uh, and I want to call the series Exposing Cultural Lies. And I'm going to take four weeks. And you know what we're going to dig into? We're going to dig into Romans 1. And Romans 1, uh, it, 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 it troubles me as a, as a preacher, as a Christian. It troubles me the, the lies that the church and our culture are bombarded with every day through the media through newspaper, you name it, we are bombarded with lies. And they are diabolical lies. They are life-altering lies. They are lies that if you don't know that they are lies, they can ruin your life. And so we're going to be talking about, out of Romans 1, things like uh, the lie that Jesus is not the one and only answer to salvation. That's a cultural lie. And I've seen preachers interviewed on TV who couldn't even answer the question, is he the only way? And that troubled me. So we're going to talk about that. Then I'm going to talk about the lie of evolution. And it's not going to be scientific or dry. We're going to really look at what the Bible says, because you and I need to understand this. We need to understand that God gave the created world, the created order, as a preacher, as a witness to his reality. And so we're going to look at that. Then I'm going to talk about homosexuality. Yes, I am. And I'm just, and I'm not going to be condemning. I'm not going to be finger pointing. I'm not going to be judgmental. I think it's come down to this. What saith the word? What, what, you know, and, and I'm just going to break it apart for you. I'm just, and it's going to go on radio and I'm going to go into hiding for about six months. I'm kidding. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm just going to teach the Bible because the Bible is what is under assault. And I'm tired of it looking like darkness is winning. We need the clear Word of God. So I'm going to talk about homosexuality and lesbianism. And then I'm going to talk about the lie that God will not judge sin. The lie that you can sin and God's not going to judge it. The lie that God is not going to judge our culture or our world. I'm going to tell you, when you're done with Romans 1 with me, uh, you're going to know that God's going to judge sin and that the world is going to come under judgment. And it's not a bad news, it's good news because there's a way out. And the way out is the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And so it's, it's going to be, believe it or not, it's going to be an uplifting series. I mean, it's not about angels. But it's about the Word of God and getting, and if if we're not clear on these things, what do we have to say to them? So exposing cultural lies, beginning next week, it's going to be good stuff. How many of you would like to go through that with me? All right, 
Let's stand together and we're going to read Matthew chapter 1. And I, this is the Christmas story, but I'm going to read it real quickly and talk about God's surprises tonight. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child, how everybody, of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly, break the betrothal, and in essence divorce her. But while he thought about these things, behold, who showed up? An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and talked to him by name, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. Now read the next part with me. It's holy. Ready? For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Translated Joseph, she hadn't been messing around. What's happened to her is supernatural. Then he goes on. Let's read it out loud together. It's good stuff. And she will bring, verse 21, a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, verse 22, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And you will call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. What a man of faith. What a man of faith. And took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he, Joseph, called his name Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your surprises. Thank you, Lord, that you've got surprises for this church and for the people in this room. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, surprise. <laughs> mm. Now, I want to focus just for a minute on Joseph because it was Joseph who received a major surprise from God. Now, it's, it's funny to me. There's all kinds of information on Mary, a lot of it in the Gospels. But on Joseph, it's very scant. Uh, except for a couple of times, we don't know much about him. He figures really heavily in the beginnings of the story of Jesus, and then he just fades away. Only once more, once more, is he mentioned. And that's when Jesus was 12, and they thought he was lost, and they found him in the temple teaching the doctors. And they were amazed at his wisdom. Joseph had taken him into Jerusalem, and we know about Joseph then. But that's it. We don't find him mentioned anymore by name after that last event uh, with his son, or with Jesus, not his son, but his sort of adopted son in the temple. Now, he's not at the cross. You don't find Joseph at the cross. Mary's at the cross. Mary Magdalene's at the cross, but not Joseph. And he's not mentioned at the resurrection. Now, I'll tell you what, if I've raised a boy who I begin to realize is the son of God, and I know Joseph loved him. I'm at the cross, and I'm at the resurrection. 
but he's not there. So it's pretty safe to assume that Joseph uh, had somewhere along the way died. And he's just not there as Jesus reached adulthood and, and began his ministry. Even when his brothers and mother come to the temple where Jesus is teaching and they're there saying he's mad, he's beside himself, let us in to talk to him. And Jesus said, who's my family and who's my mother and who's my brothers but those who do the will of God? We don't find Joseph out there with them then. What we know about him is only found in Matthew and Luke. And while Luke shows him obeying the law by going to Bethlehem to be registered uh, for the paying of taxes, he paid his taxes like a good taxpayer, only Matthew takes us into his mind and the personal crisis that he encountered when, lo and behold, his betrothed wound up pregnant. Only Matthew takes us into that drama. Now, Matthew tells us that Joseph's descendants were of the house of David. Very important. He was from the lineage of David. His descendants also included Bible luminaries like Boaz and uh, the the husband to Ruth. And of course, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So his lineage was, was strong. Matthew says that Joseph was a just man. Now, you got to deal with just pre-blood when you hear the word just in talking about Joseph. He was not made righteous by the blood of Christ. What it means was he was just, meaning he was an upright, law-abiding citizen. He was a good man. He was just. He was not evil. He wasn't a wicked person. He was not a, a, a major blatant sinner, though he certainly needed his sins forgiven, but he was a just. He was a good man. He's a good man. And so here we find this Joseph. Now, one day, probably when, when Joseph was in his 20s to low 30s, he met a little Jewish girl who just stole his heart away. When he met Mary, she was probably about 15. Her name was Mary. She was a teenager, totally pure, had a beautiful faith in God, and knew she'd also found the man of her dreams. And so he asked her, went no doubt to her parents, and said, I want this woman. I want Mary as my wife. They became what the Bible calls betrothed, which was serious, a binding uh, 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 situation as binding to the Jews as was marriage, to be betrothed. It wasn't like we get engaged. You can break an engagement, no big deal. But if you broke a betrothal, In those days, it was just this side of walking away from the marriage. It was very strong. The only difference between betrothal and marriage was the woman still lived at home. And and there was no sexual union. The woman was living at home while the man was preparing the house for her. So Joseph, we can only assume, began getting his house ready for Mary, his new bride. And the wedding was set. They were ready to go. Everybody's excited. Think about this. Among the wedding guests would have been Elizabeth, the future mother of John the Baptist, who was also Mary's cousin. She would have been there. Joseph, being a carpenter by trade, no doubt put together that house in a beautiful way. He knew how to build a house. 
He likely built furniture for it, uh, chairs, tables, maybe even a cradle, dreaming of his future family. He was just getting married like all Jewish men did. And Mary was just a wonderful, wonderful woman, young teenage lady. One day, think about this. Now, I try, I try to step into the minds of some of these Bible characters. Because what happened to Joseph? You talk about a surprise. What happened to Mary? You talk about a surprise. And I want you all to know, our God will surprise you. And little did, did Joseph know when he just did what other Jewish men do and found somebody and asked them to marry him and it was all being set up and everything being prepared, little could he have ever dreamed what God had in mind. Because one day as he was set, his dreams were high, Joseph went to visit his love and Mary dropped a nuclear bomb. I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. Surprise. Now, you know, he's a normal guy. And I guarantee you, he freaked out. His mind reeled. Jealousy, rage, shock, heartbreak. He's normal. Don't, don't overly mystify these Bible characters. They were human beings just like you and me. Being dealt with by God just like God deals with us. There's no difference. They were not some supernatural, uh, mythological human being. They were real, just like you and me, real emotions. And when she said, I'm pregnant, I guarantee you rage filled his face. Hurt filled his eyes. All the natural emotions of a man who believes he's been betrayed, cheated on, The room seemed to spin, I'm guessing, speechless. He probably just walked out. Now, I can guarantee you that apparently Mary, who had already been visited by the angel, we read about it, the angel had already visited her and said, you're going to be impregnated by the Holy Ghost. Wow, surprise. Gabriel had appeared to her. Okay, major stuff. Told her she was going to be impregnated by God. Now, obviously, she didn't share that vision with Joseph. Because she's telling him now after the fact. And I want you to imagine Joseph, when she looked at him and said, I'm pregnant, you're pregnant? What do you mean you're pregnant? Now, honey, settle down. It was God. Now, I'm not making fun of the incarnation. You know me. But I'm saying, can you imagine Joseph at that point? It was God. Oh, 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 it was God. You're going to blame God. This is what it's come to, you and me? You're going to blame God? (laughs) Are you all with me now? Just drop yourself into his emotions for a minute. This seemed like a joke. This seemed crazy. What's the matter with you, woman? Telling me it's God. Yeah, as a matter of fact, Gabriel appeared to me. 
Gabriel, you mean Gabriel from, from, from the law, Gabriel from the, the canon, Gabriel from the Old Testament. That's what you're telling me? Yeah, Gabriel. And he told me this was going to happen. And now it's happened. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. See ya. Right, guys? Come on, ladies, right? Flip Wilson used to say, devil made me do it. Mary's was? God. God did it. Now, his shock and his heartbreak were so strong that verse 19 tells us Joseph decided to divorce her quietly and discreetly because he was a good man. He did not want to put her up. He loved her enough that he did not want to put her up to mockery and ridicule. So he said, let me tell you what, I'm out of this. See you later. Uh, It's over. I'm gone, but I'm not going to hold you up to public ridicule. I'm going to put you away discreetly. Don't ever call me again. Don't email me. Don't try to say anything to me. It's over. Are y'all with me? This is what happened. Now, I want to stop at this point and say that this story is about God's surprises. Now, it's about God's purposes, but as God performs his purposes, those he chooses to be part of his purposes are often recipients of God's surprises. Because God doesn't move in our realm. God doesn't move in our world like we do. He's not subject to time or to space. God does only wondrous things. And sometimes because he chooses you as a believer to be part of his purposes, you're going to be subject from time to time to surprises from the hand of God. He's going to bring something you didn't see it coming. He's going to bless you with something you did not anticipate. God is a God of surprises. That's why I like being close to the spout where the glory comes out. That's why I like walking in the center of the will of God. Because you never know what God is going to bring your way. I'm telling you, you give your heart to him. You give your life to him. You turn yourself over to him. And you say, here am I, send me. I want to serve you all the days of my life. I repent. I turn to you. I want to be in the smack center of the will of God. I want to flow in the river of the Holy Ghost. I want to be right in the middle of what you are doing. And when you say that, get ready for an occasional Holy Holy Ghost surprise. I mean, it may come from here. It may come from there. It may, you don't know what God is up to because his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His ways are higher than your ways. His thinking is light years beyond yours. But the beautiful thing about it is he's chosen us as his servants to show forth his glory in this dark and sinful world. And therefore, since we're flowing in the river of his purpose, you never know what he's going to do. But sometimes he'll do something that'll make you laugh. Sometimes he'll do something that'll take away your ability to talk. Sometimes he'll do something. All you can do is jump and shout. It's a Holy Ghost surprise. Now, I believe, I'm telling you now, you know what I think? I think I'm seeing some surprises right now. And I think we're going to see some surprise. Are you ready to be surprised by God? I love it, I love it, I love it. 
Walking with Jesus, really walking with Jesus is never dull, never boring. I mean, you never know what he's going to do. God's surprises happen when he does something incredible, miraculous, unexpected, unanticipated. You're just going through normal life like Joseph. And God picks you and says, get ready for a surprise. And he's going to surprise you. Out of nowhere comes a promotion. You didn't see it coming, but God promotes you. Out of nowhere comes a special anointing on your life to do something you never anticipated. Uh, or, Or a door opens that just blows your mind. A door of opportunity that is far beyond anything you dreamed for or could have imagined if it had been left up to you. Or a special person comes into your life and blesses you with a word from God. Or a financial miracle that lifts you out of the load of debt. And when you come out, God is standing there saying, surprise! Come on, everybody. I really believe this. I know it because I've been a recipient of God's surprises. As a matter of fact, I got to tell you, God surprises me all the time. His mercy surprises me. His power surprises me. When people get saved like they did Sunday, it surprises me. We had one woman here Sunday. There was a lady in our church that had been witnessing to her for two years. She finally came to church, came down to the altar, cried like a baby, got born again right in front of a surprise. You never know when somebody's going to come to Christ who you've been praying for for years. You don't know what he's going to do with your kids. You don't know what he's going to do with your spouse. You don't know what he's going to do at your job. You ought to be looking up with anticipation. There's no telling what my God can do, but it will be wondrous. It will be wondrous. He sends surprises out of his goodness and out of his mercy, and because he's moving in his purpose, He's bringing to pass the will that he established before he created the worlds. And when you're in that will, you're going to have some surprises from God. Now, let me say a few things about those surprises. This may sound like a contradiction, but I'm going to tell you something about God's surprises. God's surprises often bring conflict. Now, I want you to catch this. I've been around long enough to see this to be absolutely true, and I see it all through the Word of God. We tend to think, well, if it's from God, there will be no conflict. But I'm going to tell you, God's surprises often bring conflict. Let me give you some examples. God blessed Abraham so mightily that it brought conflict between him and his nephew, Lot. Lot became jealous. They couldn't get along anymore because Abraham had been so blessed. So Abraham said, you take the land that you want. And Lot picked the plushest land he could find. And it turned around and bit him. But... Abraham's blessing brought conflict. God's surprise anointing on Moses initially caused Pharaoh to double the work burden on the people of Israel. The very people he had been sent to set free, God's calling on him, his surprise, where God called to him out of a fiery burning bush that was not consumed. And said, you throw down that rod and it's going to become a serpent. You go deliver them by the power of that rod. Here he gets this incredible surprise. And what happens? Conflict. God's anointing on David brought conflict between him and Saul. One day he's a hero, the next day he's a zero. One day he's famous, the next day he's infamous. All because of God's surprise when the prophet called him out of the fields and anointed him with oil and said, you're the next king. Surprise! But it brought conflict. 
God's impregnation of Mary by the Holy Ghost almost severed the bond between her and Joseph. And then in the Old Testament, Joseph's dreams about being promoted in the future made his brothers hate him and turn on him. And you find that the surprise of God, the blessing of God, the favor of God brought conflict. I have never seen a man or a woman greatly blessed that did not experience conflict over that blessing. I've never sat down with a man or woman who was really anointed of God that did not relay to me a story of the reaction against that anointing, the reaction against that blessing, the reaction against what God was doing in their life. Jesus said, I came to bring not peace but a sword. And it's going to divide fathers from children, spouses from each other, and of course, Our culture totally misinterprets that to say that, see, Jesus was teaching violence. He was not teaching violence at all. He said, he who lives by the sword will die by the sword. What he was teaching is, when you get surprised by God, when God blesses you, when he favors you and he anoints you, and he begins to do something surprising in your life. Don't be amazed, Peter wrote. Don't think it's strange. Or be bewildered at the fiery ordeal which is taking place as though something strange were befalling you. So, beloved, hear me tonight. When God brings a surprise to you, and I have been surprised, don't be surprised if it's followed by conflict. Watch out. If God surprises you and blesses you, not too far away is somebody filled with the green-eyed monster. Jealousy and envy are staring at you from somebody. And they don't like that God has favored you. Always remember Joseph's brothers who hated him because of God's surprise. You know what I'll do, though? I'll take the surprise with the conflict any day. Amen. Amen. Now, the second thing I've noticed about God's surprises, God's surprises often come disguised as problems. God's surprises often come disguised as problems. You know, folks, uh, uh, um, I've learned that you really can't learn God in, in some ways. Uh, 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 yeah, I know that he's holy. I know he's a God of love. I know he's a God of judgment. I know he's a faithful God. But right when you think you've got him pegged, you realize you don't. Right when you think you've got him down, you don't. Because God will never let us put him in a box. And I've learned that his surprises often come in ways that, unless you have discernment, you can miss them. To Joseph, Mary's pregnancy was at first an insurmountable problem. Do you think he felt blessed when he walked out of that first conversation with her? It was like his life was coming apart. But it was, it was a surprise disguised as a problem. And he did what we are so inclined to do. And I want you to hear me on this one. He tried to divorce himself from the problem before he saw what God was doing. When we first uh, found this building that we're going to, I went in it with two other people. I walked through it, and the more I walked through it, the bluer I felt. 
And I was saying inside, oh, no. It seemed insurmountable. It was huge, filled with tractors and junk and dust and dirt. And, and I said to myself halfway through, never. <laughs> and I tried being kind to my broker. I said, you know, I really appreciate you showing this building. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And inside I was thinking, I'm done. Walked away, and I divorced myself from that surprise. And I said, I'm going to go find another building. I went looking everywhere. 30 buildings or so we looked at. Every time, God shut the door. God shut the door. I've learned this. We need to pray and get a word from God in the middle of our problems. What is God saying? I'm telling you, He's saying something. And sometimes his surprises can come disguised as a problem. Now, not always. Sometimes you can actually have been attacked by the enemy. Sometimes the problem can be totally flesh and God not in it at all. But there are times when the problem is a surprise from God and it's come disguised as a problem. And it's up to you and me to pray about it. Because every time I prayed about that building, he kept saying, go back. I don't want to go back there. Go back. I don't want to go there. I don't like it. Don't like where it is. I don't, I'm going to find something. Lord, thank you for another building. And I divorced myself. He said, I want you to go back. And every time I would go back, he'd say, here. I rebuked it. I tried to ignore it. I went into spiritual denial I did what Joseph did. I wanted to put it away discreetly. I didn't even want to tell y'all I saw that building. God said, go to it. Finally, I was in it one day, and I saw it through the eyes of the Lord. And he said, this is where I want you. Now, if you don't go now, you're disobeying me. Let me tell you something. We need the eyes of Jesus. And the only way you're going to get the eyes of Jesus is if you pray in the middle of the problem. It says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. What is wisdom? Wisdom is when you see your situation through the eyes and through the knowledge of God. It is when you quit seeing it through carnal eyes and the eyes of well-meaning people who have not got the mind of the Lord. And you see it through the eyes of God. And David said... Man, when I saw the wicked prospering and I saw them not afraid of God, they were rich, they had money, they had everything heart could want, and nothing happened to them. They cursed God all day. They lived in sin. When I tried to understand this, it was driving me crazy until I went into the house of God. Until I went into the house of God. And when I went into the house of God, he said, suddenly my eyes were opened. And I saw, Lord, that you have put them in slippery places. Surely in a moment they are going to slide into hell. I saw that they better enjoy what they got now because that's all they're going to have. They are not going to have an eternity with God. I saw my problem through the eyes of God. And so sometimes God's surprises come disguised as problems. But when you pray and you say, now, Lord, what are you saying? He'll speak to you. And that's exactly what he did to Joseph. Joseph, instead of divorcing himself from the problem, 
Joseph was open to the word of God, and God sent him a word and said, Be not afraid to take unto you Mary as your wife. Let me explain to you, Joseph, what's going on here. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. I wonder how often, if we would hear God, we would hear him say, This is of the Holy Spirit. It won't go against his word if it's of the Holy Spirit. But how many times do we want to get out of a marriage because there's conflict? And we'll hear God say, don't divorce yourself from it. See me in it because the Spirit is in this and I want to speak into it. Or anything. Don't leave this job. I hate this job. Don't leave this job. I'm not, I'm not prophesying. I'm saying sometimes this happens. Don't leave this job because I'm not done with you here. You being here right now is of the Holy Spirit. Well, then show me what you want to do because you're not going to turn me loose until I do what you want me to do. Am I kind of treading where angels fear to go here tonight? See, have you prayed about it? Well, I, I, I've, sure, uh, I've sure expected God to do something. Have you prayed about it? Well, I've, I've, I've mentioned it in rush hour traffic to God. I wish you'd do something about this. But have you gotten in a quiet place and prayed about it and waited on God to speak to you? That's what I'm saying. And Joseph, to his eternal credit, said, I believe this dream. Mary... You're my woman. Praise God. Now, the last thing I want to point out about surprises. Once you see what God is doing, honor it. Joseph embraced God's surprise and held it so sacred. He did not even enter into a sexual union with his own wife until Jesus was born. Now, I got to tell you all something. There's really something to honoring what God's doing in your life. Whatever God is doing in your life, hold it close because it's been sent to change you. Hold it close. It's been sent to change you. Remember what the Holy Spirit said to Peter when he was calling Gentiles common and God was trying to get him to preach to the Gentiles and he had the attitude of, well, they're just low life. They're just, they're just common. And the Lord spoke to him and said, what I've called clean, don't you dare call common. In other words, you hold sacred whatever my hand is on. Don't treat anything from God common. What is God doing in your life? I can look at the faces out here in front of me. And I know some of you. I know a lot of you. And I know God's doing a new thing in you. And, and I've learned when God bothers to reach down from heaven and grab hold of me and do something in my heart, I do not treat it common. I protect that thing. It says when Mary received the word about Jesus being born of her, it says she, she protected that word in her heart. She held it close. She hid these things in her heart. She did not treat it 
common. She treated it sacred. God, the Holy Ghost, is doing things in the hearts of people all over this room. I know it. He, it may be different in my life from yours and yours from mine, but the same Holy Spirit is working a work in the hearts of people in this church. And I'm telling you, hold it sacred. Don't call it common. Don't treat it gruffly. Hold it tight. Protect it. Hang on to that word from God. I mean, it is a sacred thing God is doing. I mean, ask for discernment and say, Lord, what are you speaking to me in this situation? And then when he speaks to you, you hold on to that word and don't you let go because there is a surprise coming. God is going to bless you. He is going to anoint you. He's going to open a door. I'm telling you, this is what God does. Because look at the surprise that finally came. Joseph said, I receive it and I'm going to hold it tight. And then on that first Christmas morn, the cry of the Son of God split the dark night. God was born into the world. Joseph got to see that boy talking to the doctors, confounding them, doing miracles. And whatever it is that it was that God actually took Joseph home, he knew because I held tight the surprise of God. God has honored me until the end of time. What is God doing with you? Speaking to you? Stirring your heart? Revealing a ministry? Setting your heart aflame in a way that it's never been? I'm telling you, get ready, folks, because we're in the middle of a surprise. Amen? Can we stand together? Now, let's repeat together, just summarize this. God's surprises often bring conflict. God's surprises often come disguised as problems. Hold God's surprises sacred. Amen. Father, we just thank you tonight. I know, Lord, I see you working in the hearts of men and women all over this church. You're doing something. The flame is being lit. Faith is being ignited. Vision is coming to the hearts of people. And, Lord, we just pray, help us to embrace the surprise, to not be turned away by the conflict the surprise brings but to hold strong. And Lord, help us to watch over that word and protect it so that the surprise can be born. In Jesus' name. Now I want you to take a minute, church. And I want you to say, Lord God, I receive this word. If this has touched you, if you witness to this, say, Lord I want the surprise of God, conflict and all. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Amen. Steve, you want, let's, uh, we're going to worship just for a second. I just feel like the Holy Spirit. How many of you witnessed to this tonight? Do you? Do you believe that God's got some things? That's why some of you have been repenting.